Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. The Biden administration has been at the helm for two years. And disaster after disaster, they do not accept any responsibility. Instead, they blame it on President Trump. Now, this administration suffers from lack of good leadership, lack of good policy, and lack of good decision-making. But it makes you wonder, is the Trump train what they're going to ride all the way through 2024? Welcome to Counterthought. The Biden administration has been in power since January of 2021. It is now March of 2023. So almost 26 months to the day at the time of this recording, the Biden administration has been in power. And for the first two years, the first 24 months of that, he had a, the Senate and the House. You know, he had Democrat power, Democrat majority in the Senate and the House. So he should be able to advance all of these all these policies and everything else, which they try to do, and thanks to um, Joe Manchin in certain instances or Kristen Cinema and others, that he was unable to, and at least when it came to the Senate. And I think that's to the benefit of the country because inflation would be even worse, and we'll get to inflation here in a second. But for having power in Congress for the first two years of his presidency, and even maintaining power in the Senate going into these last two years of his of his first term and God willing, it's only one term. He and his administration certainly blame the Trump administration for everything when something goes wrong. I have a whole rundown of things that we're going to get into here in a second, but it seems like this administration suffers from a severe lack of leadership. Well, let me rephrase that. It doesn't seem that they suffer from severe lack of leadership. They do suffer from severe lack of leadership and also from a lack of good policy making and a lack of um, good ideas and problem solving and everything. There is a laundry list of quote unquote disasters that have occurred that have affected we, the American people since he first took office. You may remember when he first took office, he struck down the Keystone pipeline, which was supposed to run from Canada down through into the United States and provide tens of thousands of jobs and just wiped them out and said, oh, well, you know, green jobs, those people the, who are going to work on the, that pipeline that, you know, they'll just be able to easily transition, take transferable skills, you know, from, from pipeline work to green energy work, you know, similar to what Obama was promising whenever uh, he came to his green initiatives and, and those green jobs were never filled or they were filled and then now they're, they're gone because it's not sustainable. It was not sustainable. You know, it was a promise kept, but a promise not delivered. So the Biden administration from day one has been doing, has been working counter to what we, the American people need and sticking to oil and gas with the Keystone pipeline. There've been numerous projects um, in Alaska and around the country, you know, no drilling on federal lands, except for this Willow project that just got, I guess, approved or greenlit 
this week that has put the environmentalists up in a, in a frenzy. <laughs> I saw an Instagram post from Biden today where he posted a picture of a handwritten note, handwritten note by a child, you know, like as if the child came up with it all on their own and maybe a child did write it, but the child had their parent, their mother whispering in their ear, their woke little mother, you know, progressive liberal mother saying radical mother going, Oh yeah, write this, you know, and it was about gender pay gap, you know, a little distraction from all the news recently that's been plaguing the, the Biden administration and Joe Biden himself with more news about Hunter Biden and the family finances and everything. And the news of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Um, and I was reading the comments <laughs> that that post on Instagram had like 700,000 likes it had, um, which is sad, but it also had like 11,000 comments at the time I looked at it. And these comments were hilarious. It was Biden supporters, but they were all like, <laughs> they were all saying, Oh yeah, now little Charlotte, Charlotte was the name of the girl that wrote the letter. Um said, Yeah, well, you know, too bad you greenlit that Willow project, which again is is drilling a drilling project up in Alaska. Too bad you greenlit that Willow project and she will not have a chance to close the gender pay gap. And it was <laughs> it was comment co after comment after comment about that very same thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people. These people are just like crazy. They're out of their mind. Oh yeah, she won't be around here because the earth won't be around in, in 20 years for her to help close that pay gap because of the Willow Project. Are you kidding me? But that just goes to show you that the decision-making by Biden and his administration has been completely wrong this entire time. That is just one example that demonstrates, I think, all of the decisions being made by him and his administration and the puppet masters in his administration this entire time, the two years of his presidency, you know, he canceled that Keystone pipeline day one, and then has been trying to convince us for two years that, you know, or we're going to be able to do uh, green energy and, and everything and wind farms and solar and all of this stuff and be able to power our country, you know, which we don't even have the infrastructure for. And then here we are, you know, with this Willow project and in the State of the Union speech and other recent instances where um, Biden has been saying in speeches and other press appearances that, you know, we're going to need to, we're going to need to rely on, on oil and gas for, you know, probably at least another decade. Well, well, really, Joe, well, you know, that would have been nice if, if you would have, you know, acted upon that belief, that realization that everyone else knew that wasn't just some sheep following you in the Democrat party, you know, some radical environmentalists and stuff like that. We've known that we've been saying that. And then you've been trying to convince us that, you know, there's numerous leases, tens of thousands of leases and permits available for, for drilling. And it's the bad oil companies who aren't, who aren't drilling and, you know, aren't pumping more oil. Well, we know for a fact, based on, on the data that you have not made it easy to, continue to pump oil. Your forecast, everything you've been talking about from, from your podium, from your stump has been, has not provided a positive forecast for the oil and gas industry. So why would a company want to invest billions upon billions of dollars into extracting more oil from our land whenever the prospect is not there for a long future 
for that billion billions of dollar investment. And that's just oil and gas. And again, that occurred on on day one with that Keystone pipeline. And this lack of leadership continues. It's a lack of leadership from, you know, not standing up, not having a backbone in certain instances. It's blame shifting. It's gaslighting. It's being reactionary instead of proactive. It's worrying about the politics instead of what's actually good for the country. It's being beholden to the radicals in your party instead of doing what is good and necessary to sustain our country and our way of life. Going back to 2021, when this podcast first started, it started in May of 2021. And then in just two months after that, we were wrapped up in the Afghanistan withdrawal. I think I dedicated three episodes to the Afghanistan withdrawal. Again, that was over the summer of March. That was over the summer of 2021, uh, July and August, because the deadline that Biden set, if you remember, was the end of August, August 31st, 2021. And it was all this buildup because he wanted to say on the 20th anniversary of September 11th, the 20th anniversary of September 11th, that we, that he ended, not say, not we, that he ended the Afghan war, the Afghanistan war, the war in the Middle East, pull U.S. troops out that the war is over and wanted this grand moment standing, you know, ground level where the uh, trade center used to be in front of one world tower, one world trade trade tower. I forget the official name of it that was built in its place. But he wanted that moment. And because he was so focused, so focused on the, that moment and this majesty that was going to be happening there, he left thousands of Afghans behind, interpreters that had helped us for those 20 years. And again, there's three episodes dedicated to this. Please go back and listen to them and let me know what you think. Three episodes just detailing everything that was occurring at that time and why his decisions were, were terrible, not only by, by him, but his administration. You know, the Secretary of Defense, General Milley, um, Lloyd Austin, all those individuals were not making the best decision. Trump had in place like 2,000 troops were going to stay behind basically for reconnaissance work and just to make sure that, you know, that nothing started flying off the rails, you know, there to support making sure that the um, Al-Qaeda and, and the other terrorist groups were not just going to overtake and overthrow the Afghan government that the United States had tried to build up over those 20 years. But the Biden administration says, oh, well, you know, this was, this was Trump's fault. He wanted, he was going to back out and, you know, it was rushed and, the, but go back and listen to those episodes. It wasn't, it wasn't rushed. There was a timeline. And the Biden administration screwed up the timeline and then also withdrew those final 2,000 troops that were supposed to stay behind and gave up the Air Force Base and I think it was estimated $60 billion of, of military equipment left behind now being used by, by the terrorists in Afghanistan. But he wanted that praise so badly and to say that he accomplished ending the Afghan, Afghanistan war after 20 years in the desert, in the wilderness over there, in the sand. He wanted that moment so bad that it clouded the judgment of his entire administration. And that might be, be, that might be me being generous, saying it clouded the judgment. But they went for the optics instead of the policy. 
They went for the optics instead of the policy. And you will notice that that is what occurs in a lot of instances for each of these disasters that have, that have happened in his two years in power. So Afghanistan was Keystone Pipeline and then Afghanistan. Those were the first, the first two. Afghanistan being a truly a disaster, you know, scrambling to leave the embassy and the embassy being taken over and, and all of that mess. The loss of 13, 13 uh, servicemen and women, 13 troops because of a bomb that exploded at the, the single airport that was being used to try to get people out and try to get our people out all at the same time. And then you have oil prices. You may remember in 2022, I think it was starting around March of 2022, so right about a year ago, all the way through through the early summer, gas prices, I think, peaked in May of 2022, right at the start of you know summer, summer vacation, Memorial Day. The national average was around $4.75 per gallon. And that was constantly in the news for one to two months, I think, maybe even three months of how high gas prices were and when they were going to come down. And, you know, we as humans, we, you know, we acclimate, right? We've become acclimated. So, you know, now the gas prices, like where I am here in Orlando, they're hovering around um, like $3.25, something like that for your 87 unleaded. It's like, oh, you know, like, like that's a nice little reprieve from the 475 that it, that it once was that it peaked at. But you go back to the, to the, Trump administration those four years and we had gas down to like two dollars and and 25 cents you know and, and this administration is trying to say oh well gas prices are, are continuing to come down yeah but they're still higher than they than they were for the four years prior like you want to pat on the back for making the gas prices come down after you are the one who um, made decisions with our own uh, energy policy here in the United States that shot it up in the Biden administration, they don't accept any responsibility for that. No, no, no. It's not their policies that caused that. No, no. It was the start of the of the Russia-Ukraine war. That's what it was. But Mr. President, didn't didn't we not rely on as much oil coming from Russia during the previous administration? And you can't say Trump administration because they don't speak that way. They don't say his name. He's like Voldemort, right? From Harry Potter. They don't say his name. It's the previous administration. D- didn't we didn't we not need as much Russian oil during that administration? Oh, no, no, no. What are you talking about, media? No, what are you talking about, American people? That's not true. The strain of the Russia-Ukraine war is what is causing this inflated gas price. It's n- nothing to do with our policy decisions, nothing to do with stopping um, the Keystone Pipeline, nothing to do with giving negative outlooks for the oil and gas industry so they don't want to invest billions of dollars to drill you know, new wells and build new refineries and everything. Nothing like that. No, 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 no. Nothing like that. We don't, we don't want that at all. That's not, that's not the reason. It's not our fault. It's someone else's fault. And then baby formula. You remember baby formula report? Recent reports actually are that there are still shortages of baby formula. But we had a massive scandal and shortage of baby formula and me my family we thank you lord for um my youngest being out of baby stage and you know not needing formula or or breast milk or anything like that because i could not imagine being a mother 
being a mother or a father, taking care of a child. And let's say you were unable to, to breastfeed and you were relying on baby formula and then formula not being there. You can't feed your child. Have you heard the cry of an infant? And not just the cry, like a pain cry, but a cry that you can't soothe because of something is going on and to know that that one would be hunger. Hunger because we don't have formula in, in our country to feed the children. Like that is gut-wrenching to me. And I can't imagine that being my own, my own child. I'm thankful that I didn't have to go through that, that my family didn't have to go through that, that my children didn't have to go through that. But for those that did, and the details that came out about that is, is that the FDA, I believe it was the FDA or some portion of the FDA, um, dragged its feet on this um, review of a facility that had some kind of like uh, contaminants and then they're supposed to clean it up and get new approval. And then also that the FDA, and if it was another administrative agency, I apologize, there's over 400 of them. But then they also dragged their feet on approving European formula, manufactured formula, because it's different standard over there than what it is here. And then they dragged their feet on that. And then the supply chain and going on and not being able to get over here, they're flying pallets of baby formula to try to try to stock shelves. And then I remember seeing pictures that formula was actually going to the Southern border for the illegal immigrants. Instead of going to the shelves of our grocery stores, our supermarkets. Can you believe that? Can you believe that the policymaking and the lack of leadership in this administration is, is mind boggling. And it's not just mind-boggling, like these are terrible decisions. It's frustrating to no end to me. Because there are there are 70 plus million people who came up with some type of justification to put these people into power, thinking that it was going to be good for our country. Maybe they're single issue voters, maybe they just don't trust Republicans, but they felt that this was the right choice. And sure, go ahead and vote Democrat. But Biden? Uh, and a whole new episode, because I'm, I'm about to go on a rant here about uh, being duped and tricked and, and all of this and everything else and thinking he's a moderate. Like, are you We're going gonna, gonna to pause there because I'm about, about to go off and I don't want to go off on that. That's another episode probably closer to, to election season. And then we have the East Palestine train derailment. No, wait, skip that. Jump back. Inflation. Baby formula, Keystone Pipeline, Afghanistan, inflation. Inflation, usually we average about 1% to 3%. Somewhere around 2 is typically the expected or the, the goal of inflation. That's what the, um, the Treasury, the Federal Reserve has said. Like That is the goal year over year, you know, 2% inflation. Like that's just, this is where we're going to be. That's why things, you know, continue to get more and more expensive year over year, 2%. You know, that's the mindset is not, not too big of a jump, right? 2%. Most people with their jobs, their assumption is that they can get a 2% raise. They can get a 2% bonus at the end of the year and cover the inflation for the next year. If that isn't happening for you, we can talk about that in another episode, but 2% is the goal. However, under the Biden administration, we have been over 6% now for well over a year. We're coming up on almost two years of above 6%. So what does that mean? You hear inflation numbers now and it's like, okay, well, 
it went from six six point four to six percent, or six percent to six point four. It's like okay, well, you know, that's that's less than seven what it was when it first hit seven percent in December of of twenty twenty one, and then it stayed above seven percent all the way through, I guess, at least eight to nine months, maybe ten months, and through twenty twenty two. I know definitely through August of twenty twenty two. So that's at least eight months, nine months. But what you may be forgetting is that because inflation at these high numbers over 6% has been going on for more than a year, I think it began in May of 2021, we are now experiencing compounding inflation. Compounding inflation. So it's not 6% year over year. And again, that's the CPI, that's the average. Broken down, energy I think is like 30%. Um, housing is more than 6%. Food and everything else is more than 6%. Certain things are less. So, you know, it's, this is the average, the CPI. But because it's been going on for two years, we are now compounding. So it's not just 6%. It's 6% and the 6% the year before that. You know, so we're looking at double-digit inflation during the Biden administration. Double-digit. So, you know, if you paid $10 for something, then let's say we're at... 10 to 12% inflation, you're now paying $11 or $11 and 20 cents. So it's just, we are compounding inflation. And I don't think that needs to be um, diminished. That needs to be highlighted, you know, underlined, bold faced, everything. We are now experiencing compounding inflation. And with the, and with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, you know, going under here this past week going back to Friday, just this past week, this past weekend, there is a lot of uncertainty regarding our economy, you know, and what is going to happen? Are we going to see more banks fall? We've seen Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank being bailed out, right? Being bailed out. Should we, should the federal government have just let it, the FDIC and the regulators just let it, uh, I guess, let the run last longer to see if a, another private bank wanted to jump in and buy up the assets for Silicon Valley Bank for SVB. That's a discussion that's occurring right now. But what does this mean for the forecast right now? The Dow and the S&P 500 are taking dips. The banking sector is taking a big hit over the past couple of days. But that is something to look out for. We are not just talking about compounding inflation. We are talking about inflation plus you know, the Fed increasing their rate by a quarter percent, sometimes half of a percent. They, they think we're thinking about going back up another half of a percent. But now they might scale that back because of what happened to Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. So what is going to happen here? Are we on the verge of, of a serious recession, which a lot of people believe that was not going to occur? Or, or was this just going to be a one-off. There's investigations now with the DOJ and the regulators and they're looking into Silicon Valley Bank to see what happened. Was there insider trading that occurred? All of this stuff. But on in the whole, the grand scheme of things with the economy, what does that mean for our economy? A lot of people have been saying for a long period of time that we're going to be experiencing a severe recession, severe stagnation at minimum in 2023 and going into 2024, which that will affect every single American, regardless of, of party, regardless of politics. 
So what is going on? We need some true leadership here to figure out what is happening and what the outlook for us, the American people, is going to be. What is going to happen with our money? How much money do you have invested into, you know, in a portfolio? How much money do you have sitting in a bank? In the East Palestine train derailment, this is one of the most recent disasters of this administration. You may remember East Palestine at the first week of February, a train derailed, had toxic chemicals. There was, it was a, a spill from the, you know, from the derailment, came from the cars. Turns out that the little um, sensors that are along the track, that those sensors were being ignored, saying that, hey, the, the wheels are, are too hot. So you need to, you know, stop the train, cool it down, and then start back up and continue along along your train route, along along your uh, going to the destination. Well, those were ignored, and then the train derailed, and toxic chemicals spilled, and then the, the federal agency decided to um, blow up those those train cars that contain the chemical, and then that uh, plumes of smoke into the air, and um, and got into the Ohio River and the water and the air, and people are. You know, suffering multiple symptoms, trouble breathing, headaches, and, and all of this stuff. The Biden administration, you know, people were pleading from East Palestine, hey, like, you know, we need some more testing done here. We need, can we trust the testing that's being done? Can someone come here? Can the governor come here? Um, as well as members of the Biden administration from the EPA um, and the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, can they come here? Can they show support? Can the president come here and show support? Buttigieg waited three weeks, and he he only went because he was pressured, and you know his he he had to go right. But by the time he went, it was like, well, why are you even here, man? Like you just it was it was laughable while he was there, and then he didn't want to answer any questions. His media, his publicist, or whatever his um, communications secretary was asking, you know, for the camera to be turned off when this girl was when this reporter was asking questions of Buttigieg. Someone else in his in his group wanted to know the name of of the reporter, wanted to get them on on video or a picture, you know, probably so they can attack that individual and and everything else. And then Biden has said he was going to go, and then uh, Karine Jean Pierre, the, you know, the press secretary, said he wasn't going to go, and he still hasn't gone. You know, but he'll show up for you know a walk in Selma or something in Atlanta when it comes to, you know, perpetuating the lie about um, the voting act that uh, was signed into law in Georgia, you know, going back to, to the summer of, of 2021, um, right. And then there was no issues in, in the voting in, in 2022, you know, he'll, he'll do that, but he won't go to East Palestine. He won't do that now. No. He blames Trump. His in, he and his administration blame Trump again. Trump's always the problem. That's what they say. It's because of he, his administration, the previous administration, the prior administration. They said that the Trump administration got rid of certain regulations that would have um, made it impossible for a train derailment to occur like it did in East Palestine. <laughs> well, that was such a bold-faced lie that the Washington Post WAPO you know, in the tank for the Democrat Party, liberal left came out with their fact check and said that deserves like four Pinocchios, which is the most Pinocchios you can get. And so like that, you know, that's un, that's not even true. 
any adjustments made by the Trump administration would have did not have any impact on what actually occurred in the East Palestine um, train derailment. Gave it four Pinocchios. And then after East Palestine, which is continuing to go through the cleanup and where the toxic chemicals are going in the East River, which I think, not the East River, um, that's New York, right? The, the Ohio River travels into Kentucky and numerous other states, the Ohio Valley region, a big region. So is, is all of that land now going to be infected from this, from this chemical spill? And then immigration. Immigration. Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, lies to the American people every time the press court asks about the southern border. Every time they ask about this press court asks about the southern border, Karine Jean-Pierre, KJP, lies through her teeth, gaslights America, the American people, by saying that they, quote, inherited problems from the previous administration, from the Trump administration. Again, it's Trump's fault. She lies from the, from the podium, blaming the Trump administration, saying that they inherited you know, an immigration, inherited problems from the previous administration about immigration policy. Well, that's, you know, that's interesting. Karine Jean-Pierre in the Biden administration and Secretary Mayorkas, who says that the border is under control and has been called into Congress now to face questioning with the Republican majority in, in the House of Representatives. You know, that's interesting that there were problems with the immigration system. And yes, there are problems with the administration during Trump and Obama and definitely for sure during the Biden administration, but it's not any problems from the Trump administration. It's your problems, your problems, your, your policy, your lack of leadership, your lack of enforcement. The Obama administration and the Trump administration kept encounters, legal encounters to between 200,000 to 400,000 on average over the course of those, those 12 years. Well, the Biden administration in the first year, that number jumped up to about 1.8 to 2 million. And now through his second year, through 2022, that number jumped up to, to 2.1 million, more than 2 million encounters per year. That is a 5 to 8x increase compared to the Obama and Trump administrations. So, so what problems were inherited that kept immigration below or these encounters below 500,000 during the previous two administrations that now currently exist, but for some reason has jumped up to five times that amount of encounters under your administration? And what's aggravating to no end is the fact that millions upon millions of people believe the words coming out of the mouth of Karine Jean-Pierre on behalf of President Biden and his administration. And they believe Mayorkas. You know, immigration, they continue with this lie. But immigration got so bad that even in the Democrat stronghold, sanctuary city, sanctuary state of New York and New York City, Governor Eric Adams, or not Governor, Mayor Eric Adams, has said that 
New York City cannot handle the number of illegal immigrants that are coming to their city. Well, that's funny because New York has about eight to nine million people, New York City. These border towns maybe have 10,000 to maybe 150,000 people in their towns, yet they're, they're expected and it's no problem for them, right? But you know, now something needs to be done whenever it, it affects you in a sanctuary city, in a sanctuary state. Hmm. Hmm. But you know, it's, it's the problems from the Trump administration it has nothing to do with Joe Biden and, and his administration. No, no. You know, it's nothing to do with them. That's what they claim. And unfortunately, millions of people, millions of people believe it. And to me, I want to know, well, this is actually, this is my expectation. Forget what I want to know. I, I already know. We know. If you have been following this podcast, if you've been, uh, you know, a committed listener to this podcast, you and I are most likely pretty much like-minded people. What I can't believe is that the Biden administration, assuming he announces his run for re-election for 2024, is that they are going to continue to blame the Trump administration for every disaster, every mishap. That is their game plan. One, because Trump is so divisive. And this is why I think that he doesn't need to be the nominee. Trump is so divisive, he's not only going to turn out more voters on the Democrat side, but he's also going to swing more uh, independents, persuadable voters to be, you know, Biden or Democrat leaning instead of Trump Republican leaning. So I think it needs to be DeSantis if DeSantis gets in the mix, but I'll dedicate a whole another podcast episode or maybe multiple episodes about that when we really get into election in the primary season. But I believe that the Biden administration is just going to continue to ride this Trump train, putting the blame on him because people believe it. People believe it. You know, people still to this day believe that Trump colluded with Russia for the 2016 election, even though that has been proven to be untrue time and time and time again. Do you know that? Can you believe that? And that's just the state of our country that these that there's people who are so, so blind and, you know, sheeple right they're ill-informed misinformed misinformation and disinformation but i believe that the that the biden administration is just going to continue to ride this trump train all the way through 2024 because they know that he is polarizing and they know that if biden is running for re-election that he beat him once you know beat him once even though there's some funny business happening in the various states and all of that. But they know that Trump turns out voters, not only in the Republican Party, but more importantly, for the Democrat Party. And there are enough people out there to believe the lies and the misinformation being spread by this administration to think that they can, that will then catapult Biden over the top again in 2024. And at the expense of the American people, this whole episode, I went through a list of about five or six disasters that have occurred in the two years of the Biden presidency, the Biden administration, at the expense of the American people. And that's the sickening part of politics, right? 
or at least this administration, that it is more about the politics than the people. Sacrifice the people for the power of the politics. And it is the power and politics that has trickled down and causes harm, you know, economic peril, right? Loss of life, lack of resources. All of that for us, the people, is being sacrificed in order to gain more power in politics. And this Biden administration, I believe, is just going to continue to suffer from a lack of leadership, a lack of good policy, and a lack of good decision-making. They're going to continue to blame Trump when things go bad. They're going to continue to be covered favorably by the media because they are willing to sacrifice you and me, we the people, in order to maintain their power. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.